0: The opinions expressed in this podcast are individual and are not necessarily representative of Spirit Live or Toronto Metropolitan University. Welcome racing fans to another thrilling episode of F1 Mailbag Madness. I'm Alexa, and I'm here to dive headfirst into the high-octane world of Formula One alongside my fantastic co-host, Marshall Crocker.
1: That's right, Alexa. I'm Marshall, your fellow Formula One enthusiast, and I can't wait to unpack all the excitement, the drama, and all the adrenaline-pumping moments that this incredible sport has to offer.
0: Well, if you're new to the show, Mailbag Madness, this is where we bring you the latest in Formula One news. Dissect the most exhilarating races and share in-depth analyses on the drivers, teams, and everything else that makes Formula One the pinnacle of motorsport.
1: That's not all, folks. We also have something special in store for you. This show is all about you, our fantastic audience. We're gonna throw open the doors to our virtual mailbags. You can send in your questions, comments, and insights. That way we can answer your burning questions and share your opinions on the air.
0: So whether you're a diehard F1 fanatic or just dipping your toes into the world of racing, Mailbag Madness is the podcast that's got it all. From the twists and turns of the track to the inside scoop on the personalities and stories behind the helmets, We're your one-stop shop for all things Formula One. So buckle
1: up and get ready for a wild ride through the world of Formula One. This is Mailbag Madness.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to the final ever episode of the Mailbag Madness podcast. My name's Alex. I'm here with Marshall Crocker and Marshall Mann. The season's over we got one more episode left how you feeling
1: you know heartbreak that my uh, my sundays are going to get so much less occupied so much less to look forward to in the weekends not just the races but quality and practice as well but no, on to bigger and better things hopefully uh, next year and and we'll be uh, busy during the offseason just as the teams will be i'm sure yeah
0: i think the abu dhabi grand prix was like almost a direct reflection of what we saw this season very dull very boring we don't even need to talk about that race we kind of uh knew going into it who was going to end up you know finishing on the top step of the podium and I guess the one thing that you and I should probably recap before we get into our predictions for next year and a little bit of a recap on what we saw this year is definitely the Las Vegas Grand Prix. So, Marshall, as we start off every single podcast, give me your takes, man. I thought it was a very good race, and then I'll take it from there. What'd you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, looking looking back to Vegas, I I was very actually very impressed. I I think that the the quality of the racetrack itself in um, the race. Uh, that they put together was going to be more important than the complaints a lot of people had about the layout um, and obviously the issues in, in practice. But I no, I really, really enjoyed it. I think the biggest takeaway I had coming from it was that was the best, I think, Max Queen we've seen maybe in the last two years. I think he really did need that drive to cap off the season and maybe remind people that like, you know, this guy is going to be the champion in the most dominant year, not just Formula One, but maybe any major racing series has ever seen and he needed that reminder of like okay the car's been great the rb19 has been a great car but in in weeks where it doesn't feel like the team entirely has it and he has to you know he had to deal with the the push from mclair he had to deal with the penalty he had to keep fighting back through through this adversity um and he was just so you know so smooth with it and i know perez had a better race i mean obviously coming back for the podium for the first time in a little bit um was great for him so i mean great day for red bull overall but uh, no, I think it was that real standout race that, uh, that Max had really needed. And you want to talk about how close the Mercedes were throughout the event. Uh, Lance Stroll with a nearly magical P5 that um, I certainly hope doesn't get overblown because these, these bad drivers, they tend to have these like one good race every year that um, seems to justify for a lot of people. Oh, you got to keep that seat. And in the case of stroll you've lost the qualifying battle like 21 to 2 and you're gonna have some people justifying that you uh, you are still deserving of that second seat so i, I hope people don't extrapolate too much out of it because it's a crazy track first time anybody had been on it but i was really impressed with the product and the wheel-to-wheel battling i think partially because the drs zones seem to be like perfectly correlated to how much top speed the cars had i think it was great i think they did a great job and, and really bounced back after practice
0: yeah i mean i was also very impressed with our predictions i said prior to the race that I thought Red Bull was going to have a very dominant showing, and that's what it looked like up until the final lap of the race, where Leclerc ended up getting that final uh, last-second overtake over Perez. I actually predicted the top three in our previous podcast, and I was one lap off from getting it completely correct. A lot of people were questioning whether or not the Red Bull would be fast at this uh, racetrack, and I perfectly predicted that they would be, given the long straights, as I mentioned. Perez, although I was surprised that he had a bad qualifying, I wasn't surprised... That he was able to make his way through the grid even though he started i think p12 or p13 because of the uh of the drs prowess that that rb19 has shown throughout the entire season i think he did a very good job overtaking all the cars in front of him he did what he had to do and i don't think there's been one driver on the grid this year that has overtaken more cars than perez like talk about a guy all year that has had pretty much bad qualifying for 50 of the time and you know ends up you know finishing not all the time on the podium but I think he's finished, I think on the podium, maybe nine or 10 times, which goes to show that again, he was, he's just been able to utilize that, uh, that car in, in, in places where, uh, where he should be, because, you know, we talked a lot about how he's always, you know, losing his, uh, losing his time on the, on the corners, how he's not throwing it, uh, into the apex the way Max is. And he's losing time, uh, evidently in qualifying and he's starting, you know, on the lower end of the grid, but I think he did a great job, uh, overtaking all the cars that he had to. And, you know, he was literally one lap away from, uh giving red bull you know they're like a millionth one two of the season so definitely hats off to him i thought he had a great race i do think Akon and stroll got a little bit lucky with the safety car and i think ferrari threw this race away and i'll tell you why if leclerc had pitted uh when perez and verstappen had pitted during that second safety car i think he could have won the race because i i actually thought that ferrari had some really good paces uh this race in particular, and I know Max ended up boxing on that same lap that he got overtaken by Leclerc, so he might have taken his foot off the gas a little bit at one point, but again, I just think that, uh, I just think that Ferrari threw it away, they, they once again, man, I, I really think they could have, they could have ended up winning this race, and not only do I think that, uh, that Ferrari could have won the race, as I just mentioned, but I do think Signs also could have had a really good performance had he not, uh, had he not got that, uh, that, penalty because of the uh the mechanical change that they had to make to the car that was very unfortunate because as you do know they did start with a one two in qualifying but signs ended up having to start 11th or 12th i think because of the uh because of the issue that he experienced in fp1 and yeah, I thought I thought it was a great race, as you mentioned, a lot of overtaking opportunities, a lot of unexpected surprises in the top ten, as I mentioned, Ocon and Stroll. They did get a little bit lucky with the safety car, but I do think that they did have pretty great race. They did have a pretty good race, and at a track where we did think that there was going to be a lot of safety cars, they really held their own, especially Stroll, who, you know, we might criticize him maybe for his driving skills, but I thought he held his own and was able to. You know, not only beat Alonso, but put up some really good points, and it gave them a shot to kind of battle it out with McLaren in the final race of the season. It didn't happen. But, uh, yeah, overall, I think one more thing I wanted to mention was definitely Lewis Hamilton. I thought he threw his race away a little bit uh, when he tried that overtake on Piastri. He definitely could have fought for a podium place. I thought the Mercedes had some really good pace, but just ended up getting that puncture, and him and Piastri both, you know, after having to pit because of the puncture, came out, I think, you know, lower than 15. So, yeah but overall it was a great race really entertaining i do think that max had some you know great overtakes had a really good performance that overtake on russell was a beauty i mean i don't know who he overtake before that but it might have been one of the alpines he just he had, he had a really great race and yeah i think uh again this was the race that uh we go we knew going in that although although i thought red bull was going to be quick i didn't think it would be that close up until the very end and yeah uh, you had three drivers that that effectively could have won that race but uh overall other than watching lando and Norris, uh fly off in a helicopter to the medical center I thought it was very entertaining and I can't wait for them to go back there next year
1: yeah and I think just to wrap up there on on Vegas I think um, you're absolutely right on Ferrari I think Ferrari undoubtedly had the best car built for the track that weekend and I was really surprised because Ferrari always has great qualifying pace you know the, the whole stat about Leclerc I think he's, he's a winless in his last 8 races he started from pole um, it's it's no surprise that like they are great in qualifying and then the race they just absolutely um, fall apart and I think that uh, that Ferrari car was, was much better on tires in the long run than I was expecting. And I was watching the race and I'm going, yeah, Leclerc hadn't made those mistakes and they had the pit stop um, strategy a little bit better. I think they would have been easily five seconds ahead of Max. And then it's a fun case of like, okay, how much could Max have really run away if he had to put the pedal down? Um, how could he, How much could he have chased him down? Um, and I think the other thing that, that just to tie maybe this race and Abu Dhabi together is the element of, I think it made the teammate battles that were... Relatively close for a couple teams. Um, I actually like that in the case of Mercedes, Russell really brought it back in the last two races in terms of I think overall pace. Obviously, Vegas he still finished behind him. Um, wasn't the finish of the race he wanted because he also kind of threw that one away with the the incident with Max. Um, but the, the podium, more importantly, in uh, in Abu Dhabi, um, he really stepped up and he not only on the finish position, but I think he had the pace on Hamilton. Um, really the entirety of both weekends. And then the same for Ferrari with Leclerc, um, who's had a really up and down year. I mean, people would never forget back to the very first round of the season back at Bahrain, had that uh, I think it was a hydraulic issue. Um, they took him out of the race with only a few laps to go, which would have been a, a great podium, turned into nothing. The fact that science was beating him at the points this late in the year, I just I, I worried people were gonna make the wrong narrative out of it. And that Leclerc for as many mistakes as he makes, and it is the reason he'll never be a world champion in my. Uh, my perspective um, but isn't I think undoubtedly the more talented raw driver of the two um, and I'm glad that like he was able to show that in the last couple of races jump up in the uh, point standings and I think Carlos was really the biggest loser of the last two weeks because man he dropped like a stone in the driver's standings and and uh, I think it would have had a more compelling case if he had beaten uh, Leclerc this year just like he did with Norris back in the day and I know Norris was a younger driver when they raced together um, a couple seasons back but yeah, he makes it makes a really compelling case against we talked about it in last week's episode, but against a lot of really, really good drivers head to head and teammate battles. So just an interesting, uh, you know, way to way to come out of it. And the fact that those battles, I mean, it's still 50 points between the Mercedes guys, but uh, Russell's had some really bad luck this year. So I don't know. I just put 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 a lot uh a, a very similar, uh, you know level of, uh, of trust and prestige on, on both sets of teammates there, and I'm glad that the final results at the end of the year kind of evened out those championship battles.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, look, if you told me that uh, Alonso would actually be the one finishing P4 in the driver's standings after the, uh, the drop-off that Aston Martin had mid-season, I, I, I wouldn't have believed you. And you and I talked about it in the first episode. I think you said Lando Norris actually leapfrogging Fernando Alonso to, uh, yep. to finish P4 in the driver's standings. And I mean, hats off to him. He... He drove I think uh two solid races to say the least. Brazil was definitely an all-time an all-time race in my opinion and that just goes to kind of, that just goes to show the the kind of season that he had throughout the entirety of the of the 2023 calendar. I mean, at the beginning he he was obviously obviously one of the best drivers on the grid and he still is and yeah, to to see him finish P4 ahead of Leclerc, Sainz and Norris after seeing what happened to Aston Martin is is unbelievable and if you had told me that Sainz would have been the one to finish last for that for that fight for for P four. I wouldn't have believed you because I think two races ago he was uh or even last race I think before Abu Dhabi he was he was tied fourth with Fernando and you know he got not only leapfrogged by his teammate who teammate who was behind him throughout the entire year but he got leapfrogged by uh by Orlando and he got leapfrogged by uh, Fernando as well. So yeah, really unfortunate for signs there. I don't think that's a reflection of his season entirely. He is at the end of the day the only driver uh other than Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen to win a race. So. I mean yeah it's uh it's it's a little bit surprising to see how that driver standings ended up unfolding I did also think that Lewis Hamilton was going to end up catching Sergio Perez but that uh that result that he ended up having in Qatar and that result that he ended up having in uh in Cota really really hurt him in that uh in that fight for P2 and uh in the drivers but once again man like going back to Vegas and Abu Dhabi like think about all the unpredictability that could have unfolded at the at the Las Vegas Grand Prix and Max still ended up getting the victory and i was reading an article this morning about all the records that he broke this year and it's just been unbelievable like i don't think we've ever seen a season this dominant and he even broke a, a 50-year record now that he's he's won 19 of the 22 races it's like an 86 percent winning percentage and the guy that used to have that record uh held it because there was only like eight races in an f1 season before and this guy holds the record now and there was like a the longest calendar ever on the uh on the f1 season so that's just unbelievable and i don't know if he's going to be able to replicate that next year um i think we'll probably see something like we did in 2022 where we have those maybe early title challengers or maybe the odd race winners every now and then because i do think that ferrari mercedes and mclaren are going to come with better machinery as i've mentioned throughout the entirety of the season one of the podcast but uh at the end of the day we're probably going to see another dominant uh red bull showing next year in 2024 because they've just had so much time to work on their car i don't think they brought any upgrades after the summer break and we still saw max verstappen and even sergio perez in some instances you know finish uh not only on the podium but you know end up getting the win by 18 19 seconds i'm talking about max in particular obviously in this case but uh yeah i mean marshall now that the season's kind of wrapped up and we don't have anything else to do on our sunday afternoons uh what do you think is gonna unfold in the twenty twenty four season? Are we gonna see a new champion? Are we gonna see a new you know team in the constructors uh, battle it out for uh for P one or P two? What are your what are your expectations? And I'll take it from there.
1: Yeah, so I, I think just to to kind of look big picture, we can go to like the nitty gritty and maybe make some like fun individual predictions. But the way I see the season, kind of as the entire. Um, the entire history of F1 under new regulation changes has gone, is that I think we'll see uh, another really good start for Red Bull. I think over the offseason, they'll make another jump. Um, And then I think what we'll see from every other team in terms of car progression is every team will just basically try to copy the elements of Red Bull um, that they just couldn't figure out. So you go to Mercedes, you think about the they tried the zero side pod design at the start of the new regulation era, could not have worked worse, um, didn't go the, the way they wanted. And then all these other teams with... Uh, You know, Williams is the great straight line speed. Right. But if they can figure out the arrow a little bit from Red Bull and every every team can try to piece together what they did, similar to how a few years ago, you remember the uh, the racing point that Sergio Perez did so well in um, that was basically they called it the pink Mercedes back in the day. They just copied the arrow design um, completely from the from Mercedes. And I know there was a different relationship there because Mercedes is the is still the Aston Martin um power unit providers so they, they provide the power um, and thus they have some sort of technical relationship but I do think a lot of teams are going to copy Red Bull and I think if Red Bull and Adrian Newey in terms of car design don't make that next step to figure out okay how, how can we improve and how can we keep pushing this car forward the like they did not after the summer break then I think the, the cars that already have an advantage over the Red Bull in some areas and maybe even just a better car straight up I've I, I, we mentioned it here but I've toyed with the idea that both I think Ferrari McLaren and maybe for a race Mercedes looked to have the best car on any given weekend, and I think if they can really copy the arrow as much as the, I mean as much as you can because you don't have any blueprints, you don't have any data, you're just going off of a general sense of what they did when they redesign next year's car. I think that it is going to be closer um, for a lot of the top tier teams. I wouldn't even be surprised if actually we see a big jump up from Williams because that them finishing seventh in the constructors I think is huge, and that is entirely on Albon's back. So credit to him, but I, I do think that. I think there'll be a surprise team like a Williams that'll make a step up. I think it'll be a team like an Aston Martin that takes a step back just because I don't know where they go development wise from here. They didn't seem to have a good direction. Um, So I think it will be, I think it'll be another max title. I don't think that's surprising anybody. Um, I think it'll be much less dominant. I would say closer to somewhere like 11, 12, 13 wins Um, for him individually. I, I don't maybe, I think maybe Perez grabs a win at a street circuit somewhere on some race of attrition, some crazy event. Um, but I do think actually by the end of the year, maybe this is a bull take. but I do think um, another team will confidently have the better car than Red Bull by the end of the season. But Max will have been so good early on um, that both championships will kind of be out of reach. And that, whether that's you want to say that's McLaren, Mercedes, Ferrari, um, I think they all have the driver lineups to do it. I think Piastria will take another step forward as well to make McLaren a little bit more of an all-around competitive team. So That's the way I see it. I think I think it'll change over the course of the year, and maybe maybe see like a Williams or somebody jumping in the in the fray. But I think uh, undoubtedly like a Sauber. I think Sauber because uh, Alpha Romeo is rebranding. For those of you that don't know that they're they're losing uh, Alpha sponsorship by the end of the year. So I think Sauber and Haas going to be the basement. I think Williams may make a step up, and I think that'll plus a- push Aston and uh, Alpine down a notch.
0: Yeah, well, the way that we saw Aston Martin make that resurgence from last season, I think it's inevitable that we see another team lower on the grid kind of make that same step forward and start challenging the, the top four teams and the constructors. I'm curious to see whether or not we'll see another constructor champion because I don't think we should just brush to the side the fact that Perez barely squeaked out a, a P2 in the in the Drivers' Championship. And, you know, if if other teams come with a, with a better car, we might see a different constructors champion. I, I wouldn't even be surprised to see the battle for the for the team trophy rather than the individual trophy. Because I think uh, Max will probably continue to dominate the ground effects era up until the regulation change. I don't know if we're actually going to see a team uh, end up being faster than than Red Bull at the end of the year. I don't know if I agree with that exactly. But one thing I will say that regardless of what team ends up catching the Red Bull and regardless of what team ends up putting up a fight in the, in the constructors and the drivers, Red Bull still have Max Verstappen and they still have the best driver on the grid. And... Just touch a little bit on Abu Dhabi and what I saw in that first turn with Leclerc. I think that's what we're probably going to end up seeing once we get a driver in a particular piece of equipment challenge, Max, for the title. It's just going to be like, I will not, you shall not pass. <laughs> you shall not pass. Right, like that—that's the kind of mentality that he has. That's the kind of driver that he is. We saw it in 2021, and we saw it in previous years when he was, you know, not only competing with his teammates but also with other drivers on the grid. He, great, he just does not give an inch, and not in, not in a dirty way, but I just think he has that mentality that you will not beat me. And yeah, I, I'll say it again: if if Lewis Hamilton ends up making a resurgence with that uh, tractor of a Mercedes, and Leclerc ends up figuring it out with Ferrari, I think if even if both of them end up, you know, coming with with a better car i it's really hard for me to see anybody beating max right now he is just so at one with with what he's been given and to 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 put a year like he has put up and see that kind of uh i guess uh, dissipate at the tail end of next year i don't think that's a possibility and i think it might take another year or two for us to actually see uh, a team actually end up challenging the bulls for uh for the drivers the constructors maybe i don't know I, i i'm still a little bit iffy on how i think Perez is gonna perform from race to race next season there might be a little bit more pressure on him given that uh they know that other teams are gonna come with better uh better equipment but um yeah I mean I guess one thing I wanna I wanna finally touch on before we move on here and kind of recap what we what our favorite race was for the 2023 season who we even think our MVP was other than Max Verstappen um I don't think it's gonna be as dominant next season I I definitely agree with you that it's probably gonna be about maybe 12 13 14 race wins for for the Dutchman but uh yeah, we'll we'll probably be having the same conversation next year. That uh, congratulating Max Verstappen on winning his fourth straight drivers' championship, and he'll be uh he'll be three off of uh, your favorite driver, Lewis Hamilton, uh, Michael Michael Schumacher. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess I guess to kind of wrap things up here for the for the for season one of Real you know, like Madness, Marshall, just kind of give me your takes on the season. Who, what was your favorite race? What was your most memorable moment? And uh, yeah, I'll wrap it up.
1: Yeah, let's do it. So uh okay, actually favorite race is going to be interesting. And I, I thought about this one um a fair bit cuz I was like, okay, do I do I put favorite race down to um race that is most competitive or do I put it down to race that was um like I, I in, in the moment when I watched it, I was like, oh, that was a really good time. And there's there's some days where um even i mean i think we'd all agree for abu dhabi yesterday where it's like oh man like the, you're just you're watching it because it's the end of the year you want to see the storylines maybe maybe the constructors battle between ferrari and mercedes comes down to the wire which it all it would have potentially if, if leclerc had maybe tried to back up uh russell but no it's 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 a case of like i think the race that i came out of the season most impressed with um was funny enough vegas i, I came out of that one where i was like this race, something about it, just every everywhere throughout the field, it felt like the right teams were battling. It felt like there was a very clear narrative you could make. And what I kind of like about certain races now in this current era is with so many new fans jumping into Formula One, there are just some races that feel like if I wanted to explain to somebody what this sport is, what the dynamics are, um, and not just a race that was like topsy-turvy and like, whoa, this guy's up here, that's crazy um it might be vegas because you get all the great battles up front you get leclerc you get verstappen you get perez um you get the mercedes doing what they do having good pace on occasion but then there's some drama there uh and i really enjoyed it and as much as i did like singapore i i was kind of frustrated the lack of passing i think ruined the end of that race and i know a lot of people are just going to point to the one race red bull didn't win as like oh that must have been the best one um but i think I think Science ran the perfect race he had to, and he absolutely worked within the confines of what Singapore was to lead as a race, like where you had to be defensive. He did great with his battery usage that day, and and it was a very deserved win for where he was. But it was just frustrating seeing, you know, guys that I, I think in any other track would have been a lot more competitive. And I think Max's comeback from the back would have been even better if it had been somewhere like an Interlagos or like a Silverstone or somewhere where there's some, some really some room to, to flex your muscles a little bit. Um, so that race came close in terms of obviously it came out of the end at get the Russell Wreck. Um, trying to chase down for, for third place and really good race. I'm going to give it a, a bit of a pip to, to Vegas. And the big problem for me is I'm actually curious what you say here, Alexa, because I know there are some other really good races um, that I'm definitely forgetting. But I tried to go back through the season, just watch back some old highlights and just figure out what races I may have slipped my mind. And just, man, Matt, Max being up there, I I get the frustration, even as somebody who really likes what I'm, I'm just so incredibly like impressed with what he's doing and what he's been doing for years. And I like that he is really making himself, um, building up this, this phenomenon about himself before he, I think, leaves earlier than most F1 drivers will in their careers. Um, but man, it's just, it's dragging when you just see him up at 20 seconds out front. And there's something inherently that takes away, no matter how pure of a racing fan you are, um, than the real battles being for fifth and sixth. It, it does really take away from the overall feeling of the event. So I'm curious, Alex, are there any races besides the two I've named? First of all, what's your uh, favorite race of 2023? And then maybe are there any that I may have forgotten?
0: So I definitely would have said Vegas, um, given what happened and seeing Max kind of make his way up the grid and end up squeezing out a race victory that was evidently decided on the last lap or the last few laps, I should say, between three drivers. Now that po- that point also points to... The other obvious answer, which is Singapore, I think the battle that we saw between Ferrari, McLaren and Mercedes was really, really, really entertaining. And I think just seeing someone else other than Max Verstappen being at the front of the grid was really refreshing for someone that just got into the sport this year. Um, and we kind of saw what a majority of the races would have entailed had Verstappen and that RB19 not existed. I think what ensued in those final few laps was really the... Uh, I don't want to say highlight because as a Mercedes fan, it was a little bit uh, daunting to see George Russell go into the barrier and ruin a podium scoring position for himself and for the team. But I think seeing that, uh, seeing those final two, two, three laps unfold with uh, signs giving you know Norris the DRS and Hamilton kind of pushing Russell to overtake Norris so he can find his way on the podium as well, I thought it was, I thought it was very entertaining. And I actually remember watching that uh, qualifying session and jumping up and down because I couldn't believe the fact that. You know, a rookie and Liam Lawson ended up uh, pushing Max Verstappen out of Q3 and forcing the the Bulls to start P11 and P12. So, you know, for someone that just got into the sport this year, I think it has to be Singapore, and uh, it would definitely be a different opinion had I started watching the sport a lot earlier because of you know my perspective would be a lot different, but. I think the fact that we saw three teams, not just one team or two teams, but three teams battling it out out for the top step of the podium was what kind of caught my eye and why I would put this race at number one. The lack of overtaking opportunities and the lack of overtakes that we saw in that race uh, definitely plays a factor as well, but I just think the fact that we saw a different race winner and the fact that there was so much drama uh, unfolding in those final few laps was, was what kind of wanted me to put Singapore. At the top, and then I have Vegas at number two. And surprisingly, uh, we might have forgotten this race a little bit. And I was kind of going back and forth between between two Grand Prix as to who I was going to put for my top three. But I'm actually going to go with Zandvoort. That was a great race, and with the rain, and I think it was actually the track that had the most overtakes this year. If I if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I I could be wrong, but I do remember reading a stat somewhere that it had the most overtakes uh, out of any of the races this year. And oh my God, that was. With the red flag and and alonzo almost you know overtaking verstappen with with a few laps remaining uh ended up getting the p2 after after a few races that he didn't see the podium that was that was definitely up there for sure and i think what would what would be fourth and i I, i'm kind of going over the top here with naming all these races even though you, you told me to pick one but i'd have to go with australia as well that was a great race there was two red flags i think maybe three or four yellows we saw russell and hamilton leading that that race for a little bit and alonso trying to catch his old foe and hamilton for the for p2 in the in the race i yeah w- with a season that has been so dominated by max verstappen and with a season that has seen a lot of dull racing i think uh i think those would be the three or four races that stand out to me with singapore being number 1 for the obvious reasons and seeing just someone else take the top step of the podium rather than max verstappen and red bull
1: yeah, no that that's a that's a great shout on on Zanboard. I'd completely forgotten about that one, but when he said it, just flooding back how much fun that race was to watch. Because you talk about the, the the different weather conditions, like the, what was it like four pit stops I think for most of the drivers. Like nobody could figure it out. Perez looked like he might magically fluke into the best tire strategy, and then it all kind of kind of fell apart there. And no, that was a great race. And I remember that one being at the time. I think I, I'm not just speaking about um this season but in general that may have been one of the best um winners performances i'd seen in a very very long time because how max was able to like weather the storm there and all those different conditions and always seemed to be um not just for max but the team as well but always seem to be relatively in control of the race and props to red bull because they split the strategies in that race on perez and verstappen with the um with the rain they didn't know whether to do intermediates and like you never want to run full wets because they're a, just such an extreme tire um, but just trying to figure out how to how to weather that storm, I think was really really interesting, and uh, it was a great race of Max and the team, and yeah, that was a that was a great uh, great experience. So I would almost yeah consider putting that maybe two, um, and I I just uh, n- not unrelated to the topic, but like Zandvoort's an incredible track, and I, I don't know what it is, but it has a great race every time they go there. Uh, I know Max is, Max is incredible there. So that the battle for the lead isn't usually all that exciting, but uh, man, that's a great racetrack that in a, in a post-Max era, I think people are gonna realize even more just how exciting it is. But uh, to go to the, maybe a final uh, wrap up for uh, a topic for this year to kind of summarize, I, I'm thinking like maybe my top, um, or the driver that I was most impressed by this year, and then maybe a few honorable mentions. Um, they're, they're not particularly exciting, I don't think, uh, and are, are certainly ones that people aren't of, uh, gonna predict, but. Uh, my biggest surprise was was Piastri. I was genuinely impressed by uh, how how quickly he took to that car. Um, you know, all these years he spent in the in the Alpine system, essentially the Renault Driver Academy. He seemed like a shoe in for that spot. And then when he jumped over to McLaren, I was like, you know, I think I think there's potential that he's gonna do well in the seat. That he's gonna figure it out. But the, the speed he had, was obviously winning the sprint race, um, technically winning a race before his teammate Norris, he was nowhere near him in points, but really good performances that make me excited about next year for him that I I, don't think I, was, I didn't think I was going to be nearly that excited um, for his performances. And then uh, Alonso just, I think, on a race-by-race basis, nobody outperformed their car. Well, one guy outperformed their car, um, I think, more than, than he did. Uh, but just what, what an incredible year you talk about the finish at brazil uh those close opportunities at the start of the year to grab in that first uh win and what is it a stupid number of days um so he's great so norris and, uh, and alonzo are going to be my honorable mentions um but no i think for me absolutely driver of the year has to go to alex albon relative to the car i mean to, to clarify driver of the year if you want to go who was the best driver in uh, in in racing, I think it's been Max for four and a half years now. So put Max Verstappen aside, um, but guys, for the rest of the grid, yeah, Albon, just what what a year, and I. I was not a huge Albon guy back in his Ferrari days. He just, I, do, I didn't like the way he raced. He's kind of the anti-max where he's he's very passive. He just kind of lets himself be the victim of, of crazy moves. Um, and when he tried to make those big moves, he was just reckless. He was just uncalculated, um, but really, really incredible since he moved to a different car. And that Williams, the raw top speed they had, like they were the fastest in every speed trap all season. Um, definitely raw speed there that i don't know how mercedes isn't finding with the same engine they just had aero issues and understanding what kind of car he had to drive with how much understeer that williams had to do what he did with it and outperform the car put them single-handedly in p7 in the driver or in the constructors that's like 30 mil over the uh over p10 that a lot of people would have had them finishing so in terms of impact i think no individual driver made more of an impact on their team besides again max than Albon did this year so he's my driver this season for sure
0: yeah i mean Look, I'd even argue that if there's one guy that I think outperformed his machinery, it, 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 you could even say that it's Max Verstappen, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah. Because I was listening to to a few pundits after the race, and a lot of them were talking about how they actually don't believe that the RB19 is the best car in history. They think that the Schumacher, Ferrari, right. the Hamilton, Mercedes were definitely way better than the RB19 when you look at it uh, like in terms of performance, not only over one lap, but over like a like a 60 or 70-odd or, or lap race. And he was still able to pull out 19 wins, and on top of that, he was the only driver on the entire grid that completed every single lap of the season. He didn't DNF once, he didn't have any you know reliability issues with the car, he didn't crash once, I think he had a couple spins in qualifying, but then again, the, the, the complete completely different circumstance from the actual race itself. So the fact that he was able to maximize almost every single race, and even in Baku, even in Saudi Arabia, even in, in Singapore. I mean, in Singapore, he finished fifth and started 11th on a track that is historically hard to overtake on. He ended up making his way up the grid in Jeddah when he was, I think, 15th or 16th, started somewhere, I think, on the lower end of Q2 and ended up getting getting the P2 on another track where it's historically hard to overtake on. And then even Baku got unlucky with the safety car, probably could have ended up winning that race. So he could have won 20 races or in the, maybe even 21 if, if that didn't happen in, in Jeddah. Obviously, Singapore is the X-Factor here, but... My two would definitely have to be Fernando Alonso and Max Verstappen. So I, I, just gave you my, uh, I just gave you a reason as to why I think it should be Max. I think, I think given how badly he dunked on Perez, and given how bad, badly uh, Albin also dunked on Perez, I, I would even uh, give it to Albin, Alonso, and Verstappen. So beating, beating out his teammate the way that he did um, is definitely what, what, why I would justify a top three spot in, in these circumstances. But Alonso, man, 42 years of age, had what the third most podiums on the grid after the two red bulls it's just just an unbelievable season for him and i know he didn't end up getting the race win and i know he he ended up finishing fourth in in the championship when he was comfortably p3 for a while ahead of hamilton had aston Marr not taken those upgrades off he probably could have finished p3 it's a little bit unfortunate there but man that that guy was driving unbelievably and he's so he's so tactically sound in terms of you know the way he races the way he defends like how, how he's able to to analyze the race before it even happens like yesterday in Abu Dhabi when he brake tested Hamilton because he knew that he was going to get the DRS uh slipstream on the on, on the next turn or in the next straight in in this case so it would definitely have to be him I think he he definitely put that Aston Martin where it shouldn't have been and had Aston Martin uh yeah had Aston Martin not have a I don't want to say incompetent second driver but definitely a, a better second driver they they probably could have beat McLaren because at the end there, with McLaren only beating Aston Martin, but I think fifty, I think fifteen or twenty points, it should have not been that close, based on where McLaren were during the second half of the season. Had Stroll only scored a handful of more uh, good point scoring positions, we could talk be talking about Aston Martin being P four in the constructors right now, or I don't want to say P three because Ferrari and you know uh, Mercedes ended up also getting the better of Alonso in a lot of those races mid season. But yeah, I would have to say Verstappen Alonso, and then again with Albin, the answer here is obvious. Just putting 22 nothing on on Logan Sargent is is absolutely insane and he definitely made up for the fact that he was the only other driver that got uh, 22 and owed or lost every qualifying and or race to his uh to his teammate when he was uh when he was uh paired with with Max Verstappen in that in that 2020 and 2019 Red Bull I believe so uh yeah I mean look going back to the races before we wrap up here i think we actually had some crazy barn burners and you know monza is another example of that i don't even think spa was a bad race either there there was definitely some great races here i just think the outcomes of those races is 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 what kind of hurts the integrity of of the uh the entertainment that we saw from race to race i think we had a, we had a lot of great races this year it's just the fact that max was so dominant and all of them kind of kind of what uh what kind of like mitigates the uh the excitement from from a majority of them and Zenvort's a perfect example of that. Max ended up winning, but you know, the the rest of that race was just so entertaining. And I, I would actually even put Monza there in, in my top five with, with the signs and Leclerc battling for for P3 at the end. But look, that just about wraps it up, folks. Uh Marshall, great doing season one with you. I hope we end up getting uh season two at the start of the year next year and we can uh we can start strong talking about the twenty twenty four season. So uh yeah, any final thoughts before we wrap things up?
1: No, no, I think you, you summarized it perfectly. Yeah, I can't wait for next year. I really hope we really hope we get to be back talking about the uh, the beginning of a season, getting you know, to like you know make the predictions when we see preseason testing. That's always my favorite part of the year. And uh, yeah, just a final note. I want to make I want to piggyback off a point you just said. Yeah, the RB nineteen, nowhere near one of the. I, I think not even one of the best cars of all time. I think most consistent. You want to talk about least uh, least problems with durability and, and wear. Um, but without a doubt, look up videos. The Mercedes W eleven from twenty twenty is the. F1 aside, as somebody who's been in every form of racing for over 10 years now, um, is the greatest race car I've ever seen. That thing was a beauty, and, and I'm not going to extrapolate um, anything about Hamilton or Bottas or any of those guys because of it, but that is a beautiful car. So you want to, you want some homework? Go home and just watch videos of that thing at Spa. It is it is incredible. But that's, that's all for me. It's been a great year, Alexa, and it's uh, it's been a pleasure to join you this, uh, this last six episodes
0: yeah absolutely likewise my friend thank you for teaching me a lot and uh i'll probably see you in a couple months time for uh for season two anyways that's all the time we have for today folks i'm alexa and i'm marcia crocker and we'll see you guys back for season two of mailbag madness take care everyone and we'll see you next year